Where am I? I have brought you back to my monastery. What happened? My son broke the laws of time and showed you what you should never have seen. I don't remember. I have erased that time. We shall never know. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Puto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode! On Mortis, Anakin is shown dark visions of the future by son who manages to seduce Anakin to his side. But father erases the effect by wiping Anakin's memory and then kills himself to weaken son, allowing Anakin to take him out. Hey troops, it's your old buddy Bucho on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Anakin to my Ahsoka. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And we are going to talk about the 61st episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology. It's Season 3, Episode 17, Ghosts of Mortis. So, Robbie, let's launch this one with you letting us know what you remembered about Ghosts of Mortis before you rewatched it again this week. Anakin's vision. That's what I remembered. Uh... It's kind of a big deal in this episode. Um, it was one of those things that just... I mean, it sticks out. It sticks out more than... I mean, anything else in this arc, it's that... At one point, Anakin sees the actual future. And it's just something that's... I don't know. It, it, that's, uh, that's a big deal. And it's kind of cool. So... Uh, there you go. That's what I remember. <laughs> but it's just the conclusion of this arc that's just... I don't know. To me, it's important to the lore of, of the Force. And, I mean, it's like this is the culmination of a lot of things that George has been trying to get across for so many years. Yeah, you've mentioned that this is a specific thing that George has had in mind for a long, long time. And you mentioned that first in Overlords. And I should have asked you then, but I'll ask you now... Because I'm not 100% up with how much George had to do with this particular episode. So what do you know about the behind the scenes of this arc and about what Christian Taylor, who was in charge of writing this arc, about did he work closely with George or did he work from George's notes? What do you know about that side of the deal? George was heavily, heavily, heavily involved in the production of these episodes. He was the one that brought this idea to the table. You know, to say, I want to do this story. And they were in constant contact with George. George was constantly in their meetings, in their production meetings, talking about this arc and trying to get it as close to perfect as they can get. And it's funny because it was something I wanted to mention in Overlords back then because it's sort of their introduction to the characters. And the way that I look at it, and maybe this is incorrect to look at it this way, but at least from my point of view, the father is sort of the archetypal best person and he is keeping his son and daughter which are his sides of his personality in check so the son is literally the dark side the daughter is literally the light side and he is trying to keep them in check and in my opinion this is the sort of the guidepost this is the benchmark 
this is where everything comes from when it comes to balance of the force. It's not literally about the light side eradicating the dark side or the dark side eradicating the evil. It's one person. In other words, Luke. What ends up being Luke, it is a person that is able to keep the light side and the dark side in balance. That's the way I view it, and I believe that is what these characters are. And at the end of this episode, with the father basically taking himself out of the battle, the son no longer has power because it, he literally comes from the father. That's how I view it. And it could be wrong, it could be overly simplifying it, but I think that that's what is trying to get across here. At least that's how I view it. So your thoughts, do you think, does that help? Does that hurt? Does that, is it like, okay, that's dumb? <laughs> what, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I Like I said, and when we talked about overlords, it feels like the father is against the son and for the daughter, so... That doesn't feel like balance to me, I guess. Maybe I'm thinking of this as too mu- from too much of a, say, uh, physical thing. I mean, I've, I, I work in the physical world. I don't work in the arts. I'm a construction worker. I've got a physics degree. So maybe my shortcoming with this whole thing is that I haven't connected to it on a spiritual level, but I don't know. The way that I almost look at it is that, especially Return of the Jedi, it's the best example, right? It has more to do, with, to me, with those dueling parts of your brain. There's a good side and there's a bad side. And what keeps you in balance is knowing the dark side, but still acting with good. So I feel like if you look at Return of the Jedi at the end, you've got the polar opposites. You've got Luke standing on the side of good. You've got the Emperor on the absolute bad. And you've got Darth Vader. He's the one that's really in conflict. Right? right? That's really what that last part is about. And what you're left with is Luke. Luke, who is ultimately good, but he's definitely got the dark side in him. It's, that's how I view it. I could be completely wrong, but that's how I view it because it makes sense to me that he is the one that's got both sides in him, but he, he keeps it in balance. Now, to me, the quote-unquote will of the Force comes into play which we haven't really discussed much with Clone Wars, but I will just say that there will be things coming up that start to muddy the waters even more, but also make things more clear. So how, how cryptic can I get here? But <laughs> at least from my perspective... You're doing pretty good. At least from my perspective, the sequel trilogy, right? People have always complained about Kylo Ren is so strong. Ray comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden she's doing this. She's so powerful. Why? Because of the will of the Force. The will of the Force is to keep things in balance. So the reason that Ray is so strong is because Kylo Ren is so strong. And people will, will say, well, that's not fair. Kylo Ren went through all this training. He's been training for years. Kylo, er, and Ray comes onto the scene and she, she can suddenly do all these things. It's the will of the Force. And to me, I think... That's the thing that I'm really looking forward to. Of course, as you said, we're trying not to date things, but (laughs) Rise of Skywalker hopefully will make some of that clear. Sure. And it's not something that we've gotten into with the movies to almost any extent. But Qui-Gon touches on it in episode one. Yeah. If you listen to it, you will hear the Force speaking to you. The thing is, I believe, 
and this is just my own theory, that I believe that Lucas was trying to plant those seeds of the midichlorians, which work in tune with the Force. The more midichlorians you have, the more in tune with the Force you have. Now, there's a very, very interesting shot of the father behind Anakin. What if the father is the one that brought Anakin into being? He said that he was the chosen one. You have to prove you're the chosen one. What if he is a manifestation of the force that created Anakin? We don't know this. We don't know if that's the truth. Sure. But it's sure interesting. And then we've seen in this episode, well, we're getting way into it, aren't we? <laughs> but, but if you yep. really think about it, Qui-Gon is able to manifest himself on Mortis. That what if Mortis is that sort of between point between what they call the living force and the cosmic force and that Qui-Gon is able to manifest himself here and as we know the only other two people we've been able to see manifested after death is Yoda and Obi-Wan right and guess what happens when Yoda and Obi-Wan die they disappear then if you look at what happens to Qui-Gon he is cremated at the end of episode one and then Vader is cremated at the end of Return of the Jedi, and guess who shows up right. at the end of Return of the Jedi? There's a lot of interesting ideas here about the Force and all that kind of stuff, and then if, you know, then you can kind of get into these little details, which are how do you manifest yourself after death? Because the, the Sith are not, at least up to this point, cannot do that. And I say that just because I don't know what's coming. I mean, who knows what's going to happen sure. in Rise of Skywalker? Who knows what's going to happen in this and that and you know, the last season of Clone Wars, even. We don't know. But up to this point, they haven't been able to do that. So how is this happening? And what does this mean to the larger story? And I believe that in episode one, George was trying to drop these hints about midichlorians and about these things. And of course, it wasn't taken well. People went on and on about, well, what is this? So this means it's like a, it's all in your blood and it's has nothing to do with just anybody can be a a Jedi. You know, you have to have sure. so many midichlorians in your And point. I might have been one of those people saying that, right? Right. And then what happens at the end of The Last Jedi? You have this random kid who's able to force pull a, a broom to him. Well, that must mean he's got a real strong midichlorian count, right? Right. But for some reason, he's not been... Of course, he hasn't been identified by the Jedi because there's only one at that point, right? <laughs> sure. So it's sure. it's really, really interesting to, to think about those things in those terms. And there's a part of me that doesn't like for that kind of stuff to inform like whether I like a show or like one of the movies or not. But for me, I have to say that a lot of that, for me, is why I love The Last Jedi. Because I believe that Luke had the dark side in him. And to see him almost do it, and then he stopped himself. When people say that that's not in Luke's character, I say, he almost killed his dad. You know? I mean, th those are the kinds of things that I, I love about what they did with that. And I don't feel like enough people appreciate that part of it. I, I could be wrong, and I, I would I would love to, you know, to debate with people about that. But for me, that's what Mortis, this arc, is so important. It brings up those ideas again, and it reinforces them, and then they're further reinforced down the line. I just, I love all this stuff. I think it's an interesting uh, conversation to have. Now, I will stop talking for a minute and let you... <laughs> Well, I mean, to be fair, like I said, right back before we even started this thing, I always envisioned 
that scene in the clones that whatever the show was going to be it was basically going to be me asking you a bunch of questions yeah. <laughs> to explain stuff to me and so these mortis episodes are probably the actual what i always thought the show was going to be it's it's ended up that i've yapped a whole bunch myself and not just ask questions as we've gone through the episodes but this sort of episode and this sort of i almost always envisaged it as basically me interviewing you about the clone wars and you know as a rookie talking to a veteran saying why has this happened and what does this mean and whatever so yeah you talk all you want that's what this whole thing is for man well and but the the thing was though is like i feel like to a certain extent the show has been more surface level fun you know what you kind of almost think of as star wars sure and i don't have the opportunity to go well here let me tell you about this insight that i have about it but i mean there's some of them are so surface level that that i haven't had that opportunity so it's fun to be able to get into episodes like these that are really 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 fun to talk about well one of the things that you just mentioned of course was that this time it is anakin's turn to meet up with ghost mode qui-gon and Qui-Gon looking more Jesus-y than ever. And obviously, I always love seeing Qui-Gon. Although Anakin's interaction with him, for me, wasn't as revealing or compelling as Obi-Wan's was. Mm-hmm. And there's no such thing as a bad Qui-Gon scene, so I was happy to see it. It just didn't have that same magic, I guess, as the original one. And maybe it was because it didn't come out of nowhere, but it just felt like him basically giving Anakin a quest or something mm-hmm. and so not really revealing anything about Anakin whereas the Obi-Wan scene and Overlords with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon you know that that was a bit more mind-blowing and they also really crank the sort of operatic melodrama all the way up to 11 in this episode with Anakin descending into hell and being surrounded by visions of his tragic future and I really wanted to love that scene given <laughs> that like the ghosts of Anakin's future are naturally woven through the show anyway. I mean we've talked before about how we get Vader theme playing in certain scenes and so there are these hints of his future but it all just played as maybe a little too overwrought and on the nose for me I guess similar to how I have criticized these episodes for oversimplifying the idea of the dark side and the light side and the balance by making them into people and here actually bringing Anakin's destiny right up into the forefront and kind of hitting us in the face with it I think I prefer what they had been doing up until this point where we would get these hints of it and where we would get it sort of woven through the character and more kind of I guess subtle ways and maybe if there's one overarching criticism that I have for the arc as a whole is that it feels like it's a less subtle version of things that the show had already been doing I mean in some ways it's a lot of fun to see that stuff it is definitely effective and it's there's an emotional component to it because Anakin is suffering and maybe I would be less critical of it if it wasn't magically undone and forgotten via the deus ex father at the end which (laughs) completely for me at least undercut all of that drama and you know hitting the reset button means that the vision had no lasting meaning for anakin which makes it feel a lot of style and very little substance i mean like i said in the previous episode this part of the deal where i'm going up against the episode rather than talking about the things i loved about this is no fun but you know i'm trying to understand stuff and so i have to just lay it out how it played to me i mean does any of that make any sense robbie no it does but to me it's the will of the force 
you know this might be if it if this will of the first thing <laughs> is the key that might be the thing that really is gonna I don't know I'm not gonna say forever hold me at arm's length because I have changed the way I watched Star Wars before and you know you've been part of that we've talked about that before you've opened my eyes to things but I've always balked against that will of the force thing against the force having a will because that makes it less relatable to me than the way that I conceived of the force as a kid where you know Yoda would talk about you know it's between all living things it binds us that makes it seem like a force that's just like gravity or the nuclear force or just another force and you can tap into it but it doesn't control things and I guess I prefer stories which the more free will the better let's just put it that way does that how does that does that make any sense and I get that to me there's still that element of free will and of choice but I still like that there's an element behind the scenes that is still trying to help you know and trying to point people in the right direction and you know what i mean it's it's very metaphysical and you know sure you could say even religious to a certain extent in overlords they even say yeah it's a a transmission that hasn't been used in 2000 years what else happened in earth's history 2000 years ago sure right the fact that the daughter sacrifices herself for the father and he puts her in a crypt with a round yeah, rolls the stone over it right you know what i'm saying i mean there's a lot <laughs> yep. of symbolism in these episodes sure you know yeah i mean I, I see what you're getting at but i i like the symbolism in there i mean gosh you could even say that you know i mean anakin is the virgin birth right sure yep so i mean it's there's there's a lot of that in here but I, I, I don't know. I still love it. I love all of it, you know, and, and kind of deciphering it all is, is part of the fun for me. Well, speaking of things you love, Robbie, how did you love the scene where Ahsoka is fixing the ship and she asks, you want the bad news or the really bad <laughs> news? And Obi-Wan replies, let's try the bad news, laced with a little optimism or something. <laughs> I, my delivery is probably not great, but as with the other episodes, there were these fun moments of levity and everyone tells Ahsoka to focus on the firing drives and tells her to disengage them again when she's almost done putting this junk heap back together which was kind of annoyingly mysterious of him I felt at the time and I'm not even 100% sure now why did he tell her to pull it apart again what am I forgetting what am I missing here it's trying to prevent Anakin and the Sun getting off the planet right and infecting the galaxy with the dark side i mean i thought that was the whole point of of that part i guess it was just weird that like why didn't he explain that to her it was just it was sort of annoying it's always annoying to me when people have an idea and they put someone else through some sort of more trial than they need to go through like we couldn't he have just said that at the time why didn't he explain it to ahsoka i don't know that was just one of those moments and this might be one of those things that because other parts of the episode weren't working for me I kind of fixated on this one thing and maybe maybe that was it and this wasn't supposed to be a big deal and I was because I wasn't on the wavelength of the episode I couldn't get on the wavelength of that but but also speaking of other line deliveries I like I mean I mentioned in the previous episode that I like some of the son's deliveries there's a scene with Anakin here Anakin says you murdered your sister the force is out of balance I have to stop you and the son says must you <laughs> and that's I guess Sam Whitmer again doing his magic and for all that I might ding these episodes for, I sure didn't have any problem with that performance from Sam Witwer. But the storytelling again, let's talk about how at the end, only yesterday, 
the son is trying to kill his old man. And now when his old man takes his own life, he's all, no daddy, I don't want you to die. And there's the switch that seems to come out of nowhere. He even says, I want him to die. I'm trying to hurry it along to the sister, right? We talked about how Sam was line delivery was good there. And so all of a sudden there's the switch and so it just all feels so arbitrary to me. Especially with the revelation that the death of the old man all of a sudden means the son will lose all his powers. Like, why did he want him to die in the first place if he knew he was going to lose all his powers? I was just lost in that moment. And so whenever a potential solution is introduced out of nowhere at the climax, I mean, the whole drama that Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are up against is how to deal with the sun. And the solution that we didn't know about before this point all of a sudden gets introduced at the climax. I mean, there's a word for that. It's that good old Deus Ex Machina, isn't it? And it's just not how drama works effectively for me when, you know, so I don't know. I felt like the whole arc just kind of finished with a shrug and I was full. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. I sort of shrugged at the end. Of the, okay, I guess that was the mortis arc. And I, obviously I didn't want to think that. I mean, there's the other thing about how we, one thing we knew about the son was that he can only be killed by that black sword, right? There's this whole big deal where the daughter takes everyone. You have to get the sword. This is the only way to stop him. And that's something that's established. So at the end, Anakin stabs him with a lightsaber and he dies then instead. I, mean, I don't know. It just felt all so muddled and imprecise and arbitrary you know i don't know what where am i going with this robbie am i going anywhere with this is the episode going anywhere with any of that i don't know well and that's the thing that i totally get what you're saying i really think that the the symbolism in there is what's important which i you know it's kind of one of those things where gosh this is this is so difficult to dance around this i get what you're saying you know why it's difficult because you are even more than me, more, more than a lot of people, you are a story guy and a character guy. And symbolism works most powerfully and most strongly when the story and the character are strong. But when you have these... I mean, oh, here's me telling you why, you why it's hard for you as if I know. This is, this is me. This is maybe, I may, maybe I need to deal with some arrogance here, Robbie. This is arrogant to me to say, you know, telling you why you have a tough time with it. But, you know, you are so good at looking at story and looking at character. And this is a thing where characters are being contradictory and where story is folding back on itself. And, you know, I would call it, I don't know, I shouldn't call it this, but I would call it almost cheating. You know, that Deus Ex Machina thing and this, these contradictions that are in there. I don't know. Does that make any sense, Robbie? Here's me interrupting you again. I gotta be, get better at not interrupting you, man. No, it's not that. It, yeah, it's nothing to do with that. It's just more the. I think the ideas presented are more important than the, the how tos, and how, how did they happen? And maybe that's a cop out, but I feel like, I don't know. I guess I just feel that that's that's the most important thing to focus on and. What I would probably just suggest is maybe... How about I I wave at you really, really hard (laughs) when I say, Hey, now go watch uh, the the Mortis arc again. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I might have felt a similar way to you where I was just kind of like... Like at the end of it, I was kind of like, Okay, that was weird. That was really strange. But I just went on and didn't have anybody to discuss it with or, you know, whatever. And I just kind of went on. But then there are definitely episodes of the Clone Wars that make things a little clearer. And the symbolism presented, it's almost, like I said, it's, it's almost the ideas are what's important here. And gosh, it's so tough 
because there's so many things where it's like, well, that was dumb. You're, you're, you know, something will happen. You're like, okay, well, I didn't really care for how that happened. I'm the same way with many movies and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So why would I tell someone to not worry about the things that bother you? But it's it's just one of those things where I, I almost want to just say, trust me. And uh, yeah, I hope things become clear for you down the road. <laughs> oh, we both, I think we both hope that, Robbie. But to get back to more positive things again on both sides, how did you like... These cute little fold-out speeder bikes, Robbie. Wouldn't you love one of those for your birthday or for Christmas? Those things are cool, right? Yeah, they're very cool. And they, uh, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, those were a holdover from Return of the Jedi. I think they were... Oh. I don't know if they were Joe Johnson designs or Macquarie designs, but I definitely remembered seeing them, and I saw them on one of the... Um, I don't know, one of the making of things where it was kind of like, yeah, this is a holdover from Return of the Jedi. I was like, yeah, I knew I saw that somewhere. So yeah, very cool to see some of those uh, older designs make their way, or older unused designs make their way into the show. And staying on the positives, Robbie, how about our favorite shots of the episode? What was your favorite shot of Ghosts of Mortis? For me, a lot of Anakin's vision was really, really cool. Just, uh, for me, a really, really cool scene. But uh, I gotta say, one of the most striking shots of the episode for me was the crystal breaking at the end. It was just, it's tragic, but it was actually quite beautiful. So, yeah, that's my shot. Yeah, my favorite shot of the episode was a real simple one. It's the do you want the bad news or the real bad news shot of Ahsoka <laughs> popping her head up out of the engine bay hatch and she's sent a screen and lit from below by whatever light is spilling up out of that engine bay hatch and she's flanked by Anakin and Obi-Wan on either side of the screen. And it's my number one shot of the episode because... We see Ahsoka wearing Hondo goggles. And, yep. And I like that even though Anakin is famed for his mechanical wizardry, he has his Padawan doing all the dirty work on this one. But I just like that dynamic, you know, when the three of them are together doing pretty much anything, you know, even these episodes that I haven't fallen in love with as much as I was hoping, you get me on side a lot easier when you have Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka together. So that was my favorite shot of the episode, Robbie. And now we can talk about what we learned, Robbie. What did you learn from Ghosts of Mortis? Well, you actually just touched on it. And it was, if you're going to do some work on a ship, make sure you got some Hondo glasses <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was my... That was sweet, right? That was my... Uh, what did I learn on this one? And I think uh, what I've learned, Robbie, and this probably goes for the whole Mortis arc... Don't trust anyone with red glowing eyes. Yeah. Especially if they're a personification of the dark side of the force. You know, just don't trust them. Anakin listens to him and it doesn't go well. (laughs) (laughs) And so now let's sum up, Robbie. Let's sum up Ghosts of Mortis and let's find out where it sits on that four star Robbie scale. Well, for me, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I totally understand some of the uh, the criticisms you have for it, but I mean, for me, the lore part of it is really important to me. So. I got to put this one at another three and a three and three quarters. Yeah, this might be the biggest delta between our two scores, Robbie. I mean, I was a fan of the first episode. I was a fan of Overlords. I gave that an eight. And unfortunately, as it's gone on, and maybe when I gave that Overlords an eight, I was hoping that these other episodes were going to fill in some of the things. But if anything, unfortunately, they only muddied the waters further and I... Like I said, it ended with a bit of a shrug for me, and hopefully, you know, like you say, when I get to the end of the Clone Wars and maybe rewatch it one day, it'll the rating will shoot up to somewhere near yours. But I can only 
This hurts to say this, Robbie. I can only give this four fold-out speeder bikes out of ten. Man. And... Yeah, it's no fun, man, but I gotta... I gotta... I mean, I'm sorry. I, Stay true. Sorry, Stay true. I know, I know, I know there are a lot of other troopers and Jedis and moisture farmers and bounty hunters out there love this episode a lot. And so hopefully... You know, I'll, one day I'll be up there with you guys. But for now, this is... I, can't, I don't even know if I can say this is mission accomplished. Is I don't feel like I've accomplished my mission of understanding the Mortisark. But we are here at the end of the Mortisark. We're here at the end of Season 3, Episode 17, Ghosts of Mortis. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know if they want to yell at me for not getting this <laughs> right, what are our communications channels? We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and on Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 62nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 3, Episode 18, The Citadel. And until then... This is your old buddy Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. Ghosts of Mortis will be with you, always.